Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and in a little bit, we will also be joined by a very special guest from the Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast, Jordan DeFigio, joins us to talk a little bit about buying versus selling for the Penguins, Jake Gensel's future with this organization, what a soft rebuild actually help. And let's look at the goaltenders as well. We do all of that with Jordan coming up at the tail end of this episode. But before we get into that, Horwat, it is All-Star Weekend. Stars are descending upon Toronto, getting ready for the festivities. There's a three-day event up there this year. Obviously, tonight we have the All-Star Draft, the return of the draft, which I'll get your opinions on that. But then we also have the 3v3 PWHL Showcase, which I'm very excited to see that. Obviously, the PWHL is now only a month in to its actual you know, tenure as a league when it comes to actual gameplay. Excited to see what they're able to do later tonight, I believe, on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Tomorrow will be the skills competition reimagined with more events and less players participating. I want to get your opinions on that. And then Saturday will actually be the 3v3 NHL All-Star Tournament. Three 20-minute games, obviously culminating in a that, that final 20 minutes being the championship game based on the four teams that play in the earlier ones. Let's start with the draft, because tonight is the all-star draft, the return of the draft. We see some great moments in the history. Phil Kessel being Mr. Irrelevant and getting the car. Alex Ovechkin trying to become Mr. Irrelevant to get the car. Let me ask you this. Do you think Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and the Hughes brothers are just going to keep their hands off Sidney Crosby and let the other captain, Nathan McKinnon, pick his childhood friend? Not childhood friend, but his hometown friend. <laughs> childhood friend. Um, I don't, you know, I it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of excited to see what this draft, this all-star draft can hold, what can happen. Um, honestly, it's going to end up being, today might be the most entertaining day Probably. of the all-star weekend. I it, And that's, and there will be reasons for it we can discuss down the line here. Uh, but I, I would assume so. I think that's just what's best for business in terms of, uh, getting eyes on the on the competition, getting eyes on the teams and on this event that they keep trying every year to make different and mm. you know make a more uh, watchable product. And among that would be 
I mean, you're going to have the Hughes brothers on the same team already. That's already a given. Mm-hmm. And then now you're going to tack on uh, the bestest of friendsists <laughs> and Crosby and uh, McKinnon. It's mm-hmm. just what's best for business. I'm sure there's not a lot of scripts going on here, but I'm sure there are points of, hey, guys, hit these, please, for the sake of uh, viewership. And that's one of them. Uh, it'll be hilarious uh, seeing Sidney Crosby try and learn who Tate McRae is, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because I, I really don't have that much of an idea. Saw her on SNL once, and that's about all I know about Tate McRae. But I think the good thing about tonight as well is that 3v3 showcase with the PWHL. I think when you go back the last couple of years, the best parts of these All-Star Weekends has been the involvement from women's hockey players. They actually, I think, care about this a little bit more. Not to say that the NHL players don't care, but this is a chance for them to get more, you know, get more eyes on their product because... They've been trying to get more recognition, trying to get more eyes on their product, and you see them coming in and showing out and and performing very well in these competitions simply because it means more to them, I think. And tonight, I think it's going to be very entertaining watching these this three-on-three. I think it's probably going to be better hockey than we see on Saturday with the NHL stars at 3v3. So I'm excited for tonight. Tomorrow night with the skills competition, I think you're going in the right direction by making it individuals versus teams because... You know, what does it matter if your your team alliance make sure these guys who are uber competitive are just going out there to try to be uber competitive? This is a team sport at the end of the day, but the problem with the NHL has always been marketing their individual stars. This is a chance for them to do that more often and more so with these individual stars kind of representing themselves in the all-star challenge, which it's all about these individuals at the all-star game. And I understand that yes, it's a team sport. Yes, these guys are are media trained to say team first, team first, team first. But getting a little bit of individuality in there is always a good thing for the NHL. And they're trying to do it again. And maybe it doesn't work because NHL players can sometimes be bland when they're put out on a pedestal or put out in the spotlight. But I'm intrigued to see what happens in the All-Star Skills Showdown. I don't know if I'm going to watch it because we don't have to. Um, especially because Sidney Crosby is not going to be participating in that. So if you're a Penguins fan, you're probably not going to see very much of Sidney Crosby on Friday night, but I think they're heading in the right direction with that. Yeah, it could be interesting. And not having everyone involved could also kind of give it a... um, We're coming off the Royal Rumble, so it could give a a WWE vibe, sort Mm of. Um, You know, not that, like, someone's music's going to start playing and there's going to be a a surprise 30th entrant. Um, But it gives this opportunity for the guys that are participating to get creative in a way. Again, I haven't looked into at all, I should, um, <laughs> what is happening during the skills competition. I'm assuming like the shootout challenge will still be there. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming stuff that would involve some camaraderie and uh, moments where, like, like last year where there was the Crosby and Ovechkin sort of moment. I'm assuming there will be opportunities for that. So maybe there will be some involvement from players that aren't involved in right now um but again like that's sort of up to the nhl and if their quote-unquote script writers want to have that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah at the moment i don't expect tomorrow being too entertaining for penguins fans i think in terms of the overall hockey product giving these players a $1 million cash prize, to, something to kind of go for, mm-hmm. should bring out something, should bring more entertainment value, more um, caring about the event. <laughs> so that is at least a net positive. Uh, and where is it? Oh, it's in Toronto this in year. Toronto. 
No one likes going to Toronto in early February, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last two in Florida and Vegas were probably a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, people wanted to go there a little bit more. I think we all saw the, the... I think it was Oliver Bjorkstrand of Seattle. Oh, where are you oh, going? Yeah. Are you going somewhere warm? Yeah, uh, you might need to cancel your tickets. What do you mean? <laughs> that that video is awesome because it, that look that came across his face, I, he must have thought he got traded at first. <laughs> yeah, because but that wouldn't the, affected his, his, I mean, unless the bye weeks didn't match up. But. I forget, but the way Dave Hackstall worded it, it Bjorkstrand looked like he, he thought he got traded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Even if he didn't th- actually think he got traded, that's his reaction to going to the All-Star game. And let's face it, you know, before we move over to talking a little bit about Jake Gensel, the All-Star game is not for people our age. It's not for people older than our age. The All-Star game is to get younger fans interested in the sport, get eyes from these younger fans on the stars of the game in different markets. Because if you're a young kid in Pittsburgh, you probably only watch Sidney Crosby. Nothing wrong with that. But this gets your eyes on a guy like Nathan McKinnon, gets your eyes on a guy like Connor McDavid, like Austin Matthews. This is to grow the game from the ground level. So I understand that it's not everybody's cup of tea. It hasn't been my cup of tea for a long time. But you get to the understanding of this is not really for people like us that are hardcore want to watch every single game it's more so to grow the game from the younger generation up and once you get that understanding you you kind of you know understand the reason that they're doing things a certain way yeah it's to grow the game for the younger generation so getting celebrities involved is a huge deal i mean in terms of celebrities for young people you got about you got two out of four i'd say justin bieber and tate mccray i'm pretty justin bieber might still be a young a young person's per, a young person's celebrity, yeah. Um, but Tate McRae, I believe, definitely is. I yeah. again, I don't know much about her, mm. uh, but I know she dated a hockey player once, and that's her whole gimmick. Uh, and then you got Will Arnett and Michael Bublé. I love both those guys, but yeah, they're not necessarily appealing to the younger generation. But it's a step in the right direction, and having Bieber design the jerseys as ugly as they are, you it's know a what thought. it did, yeah. But you know what it did? It got people interested in, got the younger generation interested in what could be, could be a successful weekend. Could be a successful weekend. That's what the NHL wants is just to grow their fan base with this weekend. That's what they try to do. That's why they really want the stars to show up. That's why they suspend stars one game if they don't. I'll be interested to see how it all plays out for the NHL. Obviously, it's a big weekend for them. It's a big weekend for the growth of the game. So something to keep an eye on as we get set for the NHL All-Star Weekend kicking off later tonight. Before we go over to our interview with Jordan DeFigio of the Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast, I want to talk a little bit about Jake Gensel because... His future is uncertain right now. I think we all know that heading into the All-Star break. Obviously on a expiring deal in the Pittsburgh Penguins, not sure if they're going to make the postseason or not. Obviously they're going to have to go out and perform in the latter half of the season in order for that to happen. But Josh Yoey of The Athletic dropped a story this morning sharing insight into some of the Penguins' most polarizing topics as we are at the All-Star break among them was a small update on Jake Gensel that we wanted to touch on really briefly. My sense personally from reading it is that the Penguins want to get a deal done with Jake Gensel. And I, I think that's basically what Yoey alluded to. Now, the article was about a bunch of different things. This is the only thing we're going to talk about. If you want to know more, go check out his article on The Athletic. But this is the quote that really stood out to me. Yoey writes, quote, From what I've been told, Dubas isn't afraid to trade Gensel. 
even if Crosby and Sullivan would prefer to keep him employed in Pittsburgh. If Dubas believes a new contract simply isn't in the cards, I believe he'll trade Gensel before letting him walk for nothing. Now, that's one blurb out of a very good article from Josh Yoey, but my sense, and I don't know if I'm off base on this, but my sense is it seems like his future isn't necessarily tied to a contention window or contention for the playoffs this season as much as it's tied to the contract negotiations between him and the Penguins organization. Correct. That's in, And that's sort of on the Penguins and Dubas' side. What could be a point of contention for Jake Gensel's camp in terms of their side of the contract negotiations is just how good the Penguins are going to be. Are they willing to build a team around what is left, including Jake Gensel, and you know what can this team bring, what can Cal Dubas bring into Pittsburgh to maintain a winner? Um, if Gensel's okay with sticking around on what could very well be a losing team, then you know more power to him. It's probably going to cost a bit more money, but you know that's neither here nor there. I'd say it does sound like a lot of the trade discussion, at least, will go by um, the the negotiations for a new contract. If there's not one happening, yeah, I, I think I would expect the same thing too. Expect Jake Gensel to be wearing a new uniform before the end of the year because it, this goes with just about every free agent uh, or every player that's in the last year of their, of their deal. You want to, as a team, get get something rather than nothing uh, in return. You want to lose a player yeah. f- with some sort of return, even if it's, you know, a couple of picks. You want to get something in return. Mm-hmm. This being Jake Gensel, I mean, you could easily, you know, recoup a a player, a pick, and a prospect pretty easily. Um, and we'll see what happens with Jake Gensel. I'd say. Every step of the way is going to be uh, important, and pretty much if if Kyle Dubas feels like and if Jake Gensel feels like there is a future for him in Pittsburgh, we should find out fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, I think the interesting thing, again, this is a lot of stuff that, that has been rumored and has been discussed about as to whether or not Jake Gensel's contract, you know, is something that has been talked about or has been discussed in the organization. Now, you mentioned that Ben Hankinson and Kyle Dubas were planning to meet over this bye week to try to open up negotiations, start contract talks. And while, yes, that is probably something that's happening, I think that the progression of those contract talks mean more than the progression of the Penguins in the standings when it comes to this particular season about whether or not they end up trading them because you see what they could potentially get. I I mean, the Calgary Flames traded Elias Lindholm for a first rounder, I believe a second rounder, plus a couple of prospects. That was a large haul coming over from the Vancouver Canucks who were thought to be one of the primary you know, players in the Jake Gensel sweepstakes. So maybe they got wind of, hey, the Penguins are probably not going to trade Gensel, and they decided to go to plan B, which was Elias Lindholm. Maybe not. Maybe they're thinking, okay, we just want to make sure we get that extra piece because they think they're good enough to go win a Stanley Cup. So they wanted to get this out of the way. Obviously, you know, Jim Rutherford in his time with the Penguins liked to have dealings before the trade deadline and not leading up to the trade deadline. So he knew what that player looked like and knew if he needed to address something else. So maybe this is just something out of Jim Rutherford's regular handbook and Patrick Alvine, obviously under the tutelage of him up in Vancouver. Or maybe that leads to something along the lines of what Josh is saying here, where a lot of what he's pointing to is the contract talks, not as much about the contention window for this specific player in Jake Gensel. So again, I might be off base. 
that's what I took from it, that it might not necessarily be based on the performance of the team between now and March 8th. It might be more so based on the stuff that's happening off the ice between Ben Hankinson, the Penguins organization, and Kyle Dubas. So it's intriguing. Obviously, a lot of intriguing stuff coming out of that piece from Josh Yoey. He also touched on the organization's feelings, or at least from what he's heard on Todd Reardon, Mike Sullivan, John Ludwig, and even Eric Carlson. So a lot of meat on the bone on that article from Josh Yoey. Obviously, the biggest piece, the one that is at least the most pressing for Penguins fans is that Jake Gensel contract because in a month or so he might be gone he might not but it, I think it, it depends on whether or not the contract talks go in the right direction or if they stall out and head in the opposite direction yeah it's gonna it's it seems like it's gonna center around contract talks because and here's the other big piece of it too I know there's been um, some a fair bit of discussion around the idea of the soft rebuild of a rebuild happening this year uh you know, Jake Gensel, a, 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 a Jake Gensel deal does kind of kickstart that idea of a rebuild. But at the same time, there's been this loud group of people, and I, it depends on where you fall. I don't, it, the listeners doesn't, you know, wherever you fall is where you fall. As long as Sidney Crosby is on this team, mm. you're not rebuilding. That's very true, but at the same time, not necessarily. Uh, it's which, yeah, I know it makes no sense, but. Sidney Crosby will want to win, yes. Jake Gensel will want the same thing. As long as, you know, Jake Gensel... If Jake Gensel sticks around, you can almost guarantee the Penguins are going to continue going for it one way or another. Um, mm. It's it's going to be difficult. You're going to have... The Penguins will have to rebuild in a different way if Jake Gensel's sticking around because, again, Sidney Cros- keeping Sidney Crosby around means you're gunning for it every year he's there. Mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas cemented the idea of continuing to go for it with the Eric Carlson deal. Against his own will, it seems, Ron Hextall kept Malkin and and Latang around. Uh, With those five names, you have a group ready to gun for it. Three of them are aging out. One of them's about to start aging out. You don't have much time to go for it, so you'd have to rebuild differently. And suddenly in my head, I'm beginning to criticize what Kyle Dubas did this summer because adding age <laughs> doesn't help in terms of, you know, Lars Eller's a great player, just a little older. You need the younger depth talent. Um, but again, that's a discussion to have a la- at a later time. It just seems mm-hmm. right now that's that whole rebuild discussion has to enter this discussion as well. Yeah, if, if if Dubas decides to not trade Gensel, there's still a chance that he could trade off some pieces to open up some mm-hmm. space in the offseason. But, you know, at the end of the day, that is the biggest domino that has to either fall or move out of the way is Jake Gensel. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep, you know, obviously tabs on anything Jake Gensel related going for the next month because it's going to be a very busy month with a lot of rumors and a lot of news surrounding the Penguins star winger. But you spoke about, you know, if Crosby's on this team, you can't really rebuild. That, too, is the sentiment of one Jordan DeFigio who joined us from Fly Penguins Fly for the remainder of this podcast. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, joined by Jordan DeFigio. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com and we are joined right now by a very special guest as we welcome on the co-host of the Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast, Jordan DeFiggio, also a must follow on Twitter if I may add, at Fidge Newton. Jordan, how's it going? Not too bad. Uh, it's it's kind of nice to have a week where the Penguins aren't playing to kind of catch our breath. Uh, so yeah, all, all things considered doing pretty well. A nice little decompression week for everybody following this team, because as we talked about before we jumped on, it has been a roller coaster ride for the Penguins this season. And honestly, throughout last season as well. But as we stand right now, Penguins sitting outside of a playoff spot at the all-star break. And I kind of want to start this with the big decision that needs to be made by Kyle Dubas, the president and general manager of the Penguins. Is he buying or selling at the deadline? That's the question everybody wants to know. Initially, we thought, okay, he's going to let us know around the All-Star break because that's when he said he'd have an idea about what this team's going to be. Now it sounds like he's pushing that deadline back, hoping the team shows him the way for him. So I want to ask you, as we sit here at the bye, which direction do you think Duba should take prior to March 8th, seeing as where the team's at right now and how they've performed? Uh man that's it's tough i don't envy kyle dubas at all for the the job I, that he inherited he inherited mm. the the team that he inherited it just his hands are kind of tied right now because the previous gm couldn't commit to a direction he was kind of living in between a rebuild and trying to win now and i think I don't necessarily feel like Kyle Dubas is sitting on his hands. I just think he's having a really hard time processing what direction he can go in feasibly because the the cap situation is just a complete mess. So it is really difficult for it's going to be hard for him to move one way or the other because honestly I don't think they should be sellers at the deadline because Sidney Crosby is still on the team. And he, at this point, through 46 games, however many games they've played, it, it, almost 30 goals. He's a plus 19. Like, he's he's playing at a level that no one at age 36 should be playing at. And he just keeps setting the bar higher and higher for – for hockey players who play into their superstars who play into their thirties. It's just ridiculous. And I don't think that you can sell at this point with him playing. I don't think they should that I'll say that. Um, Cause they might, and I don't know, I guess we'll see what happens, but it's, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time saying just blow it up, rebuild <laughs> when we're witnessing a spectacle on ice every time he plays in the lineup. Yeah, and that's part of, you know, you're mentioning the rebuild, you're mentioning not being able to sell, and that's what um, Elliot Friedman has already said so far, is that the Penguins might be looking toward a uh, a soft rebuild for the remainder of this year and possibly into next. Just, I mean, you're right, fully blowing it up doesn't sound right, but what are your thoughts on this idea of what could be a soft rebuild or a small transition period almost with whatever Kyle's got to do here? 
I feel like a soft rebuild is a waste as well. I, but I don't know how you can be buyers at the trade deadline with the way the team's currently set up. They don't necessarily have, we were talking about their lack of right-handed defensemen before we started recording too. They don't have a whole lot in the pipeline that they can rely on. Cause like when they were at the bottom of the barrel in 2015, 2016, they had a ton of guys who they could pull up from Wilkes-Barre and they in, injected youth and speed to the lineup. They don't really have that wealth of, of players in the farm system to, to rely on right now. But I also, I just don't know if this wait and see soft rebuild is productive either because when I mean maybe if Sidney Crosby were 26 and not 36 that would make more sense but I my my stance on it is all going to come back to Sidney Crosby that's like I'm I'm pulling all of my opinions based on Sidney Crosby and his career and where he is right now and I I don't anticipate his play dropping off of a cliff next year but it would be safe to assume that he's probably not going to be playing like this next year. And his, his contract runs through what the 2024, 2025 season. Um, I, I feel like you're playing with fire a little bit if you do a soft rebuild, but again, I don't know how you can be buyers with the current state of the team. It's, it's such a predicament. And again, God, i I really feel for Kyle Dubas because this is kind of a mess. <laughs> You mentioned the the lack of high quality prospects. I think there's two names right now that everybody's certainly keying in on, at least more keying in on more than we've seen really in the last five years. Two players that have played at a very high level, but even bringing those guys up, and I'm talking obviously about Sam Poulin and, and Yessa Pugliarvi. Even if you bring those guys up, it is a gamble. Poulin's only played three games at the National Hockey League level, and while yes, yes, Apuljarvi is performing well, and he's he's been at an NHL level previously in his career, and he's only 25 years old, he's coming off of double hip surgery. How does that translate coming up, and, and where do you put him in the lineup? So I think if the Penguins choose the route that Friedman mentioned and, and Horwat brought up, which is that soft rebuild, you're banking on the fact that when you trade out guys like Gensel's going to be at the top of the list there of whether he stays or goes. And then I think Ricard Raquel and Riley Smith, who me and Horwat talked about on Tuesday, are two names that would end up being in the conversation there. Whenever you trade them out, are these guys that you have only one or two options in pull in or Pustin in even if you throw him in there, are they going to hit? Because you're gambling on the fact that they have to hit in order for you to actually make the playoffs this season. So I think that while you do have some names more so than in, in years past, they have to hit. You have no room for error there. And like you said, I don't envy Kyle Dubas in that situation. Oh, yeah, it, it sucks for him. He really, he and honestly, the fact that he willingly took the job says a lot about how, I mean, I, I feel like he's confident that long-term he can, he can really take this team where it needs to go. Uh, but that's the, honestly, I still, it just, God, these, these few years right here where you still have Crosby, Malkin and Latang on the team, what do you do? Cause I, my brain just short circuits anytime I think about it. Cause I'm like, well, they could, you know, they could ship off against all, but what are you going to get in return? You like, you're probably not going to, have somebody who can play at that level with Sidney Crosby because they're they're just on a, the same wavelength, different stratosphere of 
types of the chemistry that they have and the things that they're able to execute together. And I think honestly, Sid does, he has this way about him that guys just elevate their play when they play with him. But that's, I, I don't necessarily think that's true of Jake Gensel. I feel like you'd be losing more than you'd be gaining. And then, yeah, sure. You bring up a guy from Wilkes-Barre, but you slot him in bottom six probably. So that still doesn't solve your problem. Who's going to be up there on a line with Crosby. Uh, and I, yeah, I, Riley Smith does seem like a possible trade candidate, but he, his play dropped off from October. I mean, he was, he was playing lights out when he first got here, but then just became irrelevant almost. I don't, I don't know what you would get in return for him. Um, Raquel's finally heating up a little bit, but uh, I don't know. It's just, they're in such a predicament right now and it's, it's hard to say what direction they're going to go in in terms of making moves. It's tough. It really does feel like every time, like every time Berlinski and I sit down for an episode, we feel like we're talking in circles almost. It's going to be the same problems over and over. Um, But it's, that's just the way it is. And you're right. Like Kyle Dubas brought himself into the situation and good on him. He thinks he can, succeed here he's got a long time to do it uh, but in the right now he's got you know already big decisions to make he said he was going to talk with Gensel and his agent during this break at some point I mean you already kind of alluded to what are your genuine thoughts and what direction should this team go with Jake Gensel specifically I I don't think they should trade him I I know that he's he's nearing 30 now but he he just gets better every year he the way that he understands the game and sees the game, he's maturing in that aspect. And he's just, he's, you know what you're getting with him and he's consistent and reliable. And I, I just don't think that the, I mean, he's, he generates chances. He's his finishing is just beautiful. His control of the puck, uh, he is one of those really, really well-rounded players that I, again, I just think you would be losing more than you could possibly gain in return for shipping him out. And I, if there's any person who could, you know, wield and deal Jake for a decent return to be worthwhile, I feel like it would be Kyle Dubas. So I, I, I guess for me, if, if they ship Jake off, it'll probably be for a big return. I don't know, but I just don't see that opportunity arising. And I don't think that, I don't think necessarily Kyle Dubas is going to force anything. Um, And I just, I can't envision a scenario where that would benefit the Penguins and make them a better team. So I really don't think they should trade him, even though he is arguably their biggest trade piece uh, this season I just I don't think they should if they ever do end up putting him on the market at least willingly saying to the rest of the league that hey he is on the market what's your best offer he's the top mm-hmm. trade target of the season there's no one else that's going to be as highly sought after is Jake Gensel so but I understand what you're saying right there because there's no way you get a 40 goal score in return there just isn't I mean yeah. you're getting magic beans you might get a first round pick that one day in 2032 turns into a 40 goal scorer but at that point Sidney Crosby's going to be probably a scratch golfer maybe on the you know senior tour because he'd been practicing at it for 10 plus years and he's been that good so I don't I don't understand the logic behind people that are 
all gung ho about, yeah, you have to trade him because there is a dilemma there. There is a discussion there because he's going to be 30 years old. Maybe he's going to cost a little bit more than you want to be paying a guy going to be 30 to the point where he might want an eight year deal where he'd be 38, but it is a dilemma. It's a tough decision for Kyle Dubas to make if he ends up doing that. And I think the thing is, you know, we talk about buying or selling and Horwath has that third option, which is the soft rebuild, which includes selling off pieces this season. Jake Gensel in two of those three scenarios is gone. If you do a sell hard, he's gone. If you do a soft sell mm-hmm. and a soft rebuild, he's gone as well. So it's going to be an interesting six weeks, five weeks, whatever we have until March 8th to see what happens with that. Because as far as the Penguins are concerned, that's one of the top storylines to follow is are they ever going to truly put him on the market? And if they do, there's a former general manager of the Penguins that has certainly been swimming in those waters for for months now that would 100% uh, be in on Jake Gensel, obviously talking about Jim Rutherford. But we have talked about selling. We've talked about soft rebuilding. If the Penguins end up buying, we all know it's not going to be very much. It might be one singular piece that they go out and bring into this roster. What area of this lineup right now do you think is the most pressing to get some help in? I'm I'm not even sure how you would how you would trade for this, but they need to they need to get someone who's proven effective on the power play. And I, I is that top six? Is that bottom six? I don't know. But they uh, that their power play has been on the decline since they since they lost Patrick Hornquist and I I'm not usually one to say like draft or not draft uh, trade get a guy based on size but they need somebody who can just like brick like cement themselves in front of the net and just like heckle the goalie until they can just get the puck on net as many times as they need to for it to go in. I, I don't know. Um, the, I, the bottom six, I mean, with the, the Eller line, they really are sort of kind of starting to gel a little bit. And didn't they just move Eller to Malkin's line? Am I misremembering? Yeah, there were some, uh, there were some adjustments made there mid game that um, seemed like Eller and Malkin were sharing a line. It's hard to tell whenever there was two games where a ton of changes yeah. were made and then a week off. So we'll see where things continue whenever they re- when they reconvene. But there was definitely lineup changes made. It was yeah, it was Eller, Malkin, and I believe Raquel were all on a line, and that line actually played more five on five ice time than Eller, Raquel, and Pustinen, which was the actual third line coming into the game. So they certainly tried something in the Canadians game, uh, a lot of different things in the Canadians game that, that were uh, up against the wall, but yeah, Eller, I I thought the third line had looked better. I think Eller has been good despite having two wings on either side that have been a rotating door. Um, Some consistency on the third line would be great though. (laughs) Yeah. And the fourth as well, because what we've seen happening, the trend has been the, Sidney Crosby is carrying the team and if he's not scoring nobody's really scoring and if and that's a very broad over overview but it's they need help they need guys on the bottom in the bottom six who are helping at least score like maybe one two goals a night like they need some consistency there in the finishing aspect of the game because yeah, if, if the if the stars aren't coming to play, then usually 
the game is a dud and and they they need help across the lines um and i i don't i don't know it's it's just so difficult to assess where their biggest issues are because the power play is just so bad like yeah. i i just <laughs> i feel like if the power play scored and converted maybe like 30 40% of the time that we would have won maybe like 5 to 7 more games than we have so it's it's just really difficult to be like okay this this is where they need help when the power play is like this is the only place it feels like they need help because now they have goaltending like lockdown goaltending every night which is awesome um but it's just so, it's hilarious that for the past 4 years that the argument has been well if the penguins just had good reliable goaltending they would be they would be in it every year and now it's like okay you have two goalies who are playing lights out every night and you're still on the precipice of missing the playoffs like oh my god it's insane yeah and and that goaltending is exactly kind of where i wanted to take this next one is you know they finally do have what it looks like to be uh, not necessarily a goalie controversy yet but the situation of they have a good starter and a good backup just what you know how do you foresee the rest of the season going for Jari and Adelkovich are they going to split time more often is one of them going to run away as a pure starter and which one could that be Jari seems to play better when he plays a little bit more so I think that by default they'll probably rely on him giving him more nods at starts in the net but you down the stretch especially i mean they're going to be playing a ton in march and like that it seems to always work out that way but like i think that they're going to need to split time and rely on both of them pretty evenly but i do i do think at least from a starter perspective i think that jari will be the number one guy um just because at least consistency wise he has settled into he's not playing as fluky as he used to with oh my god he made some decisions in that 20 what was it 2021 even 2022 when he was kind of hurt in and out of the lineup like he he would try to force passes out of the out of the crease and he would yeah his puck handling wasn't always uh top tier but he he seems more consistent and more settled. And there will be moments where Nadelkovich is, uh, it looks like he's going to run away with the starting position, but then he'll, he'll be a little streaky and he'll have plays where it's like, what were you thinking there, dude? Um, like I, uh, the game, when was it Friday, last Friday against Florida, he was, geez, he was like, coming out of that crease and playing behind the net and not really handling the puck in a way that instilled confidence in the viewer. And I was like, Oh my God, dude, please stop. Please stop. Just like get a grip. Um, I think Jari's going to be the guy, but it is really nice to know, especially with his history of injuries that their backup is, is solidifying himself as a really solid two in the punch like he's yeah he's he's really really good they they struck gold with him for sure 
Yeah, that's going to be another decision that Kyle Dubas needs to make. Can you re-sign Alex Nedeljkovic? Are they going to be able to afford to re-sign Alex Nedeljkovic? Because he might command a hefty amount of money. He might be a 1B option next summer in free agency because they got him on a one-year deal. But I think it is interesting that you mentioned there. March is, I mean, what, the first three weekends or Saturday, Sunday back-to-back. So no goalie is really going to be able to take five, six, seven straight games because they're going to obviously split those ones. But I do think that I agree with you. If there tends to be a dogfight, they're probably going to lean towards their workhorse, which has been Tristan Jari throughout his entire career. But it's a good thing to have, you know, that Nadelkovic backup character because unlike a guy like Casey DeSmith, if he gets the four, five, six games in a row, he can be consistent throughout them. Whereas Casey last year, I called him coin flip Casey for a reason. If he got four, five, six games, you might see three or four different versions of Casey to Smith in that stretch of six games. But, you know, a little bit more consistency, a little bit less anxiety when it comes to who's going to be in the net and how are they going to perform this season, which certainly has been a nice help for Penguins fans, considering that the power play has risen everybody's anxiety and Eric Carlson and Ryan Graves and all these other players have risen anxiety in certain areas. But Jordan, I want to thank you again real quick for coming on. Obviously, it's a bye week. Everybody has a little bit of time on the hands, but for making some time for us, we really appreciate you coming on. Let our listeners know where they can find you and what they can expect when they follow the great Fidge Newton on Twitter. <laughs> oh, they can expect a lot of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the spewings of the inner workings of my mind, which is a little horrific at times. But thank, thank you, first of all, for having me. I, it's great to be back. It's great to talk Penguins hockey with you. I really appreciate it. Um, I am on Twitter at Fidge Newton and I'm on Instagram as well at Fidge Newton doing the Fly Penguins Fly podcast with uh, my esteemed co-host Jeff Taylor and we're actually taking the week off because he's on tour so we won't get back to that until probably next week the week after when play resumes for the Penguins but I'm there and yeah usually just love to talk hockey talk Steelers football and music movies all of it it's just I'm, it's all over the map but it's a if you follow me you will probably leave feeling a little bit better about yourself <laughs> so I'll say that <laughs> Well, Jordan, thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you to everybody for tuning in to this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. You can catch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from by simply searching Tip of the Iceberg. That's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. 